In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, okay, Um, I guess one of the things that I've noticed all these many years of doing this podcast is that when it comes to TV episodes that are a Christmas episode, um, we often do some sort of riff on Charles Dickinson's, or not Dickinson's, Charles Dickens' um, A Christmas Carol. Everybody does. That's everybody, everybody does. Nobody wants to think of an original story. There <laughs> are no time. new ideas. Nobody cares. Um, now, I will, in fairness to that, I do think that the Christmas season is um, a season in which viewers maybe are more forgiving. A and million percent. Well, I was going to say Christmas movies in general. Listen, as a Christmas movie lover, <laughs> You would know better than anyone. Well, no, I'm just saying that, like, I- I'm saying this from a place of love for Christmas movies. Sure. They're, they're legitimately, like, overall worse movies than yes. movies a lot yes. of times. Yes. Um, but, they're, but because the theme is they're Christmas. Christmas. Because, yeah. Because it's the, this cozy feeling that you're supposed to get when you watch it, you, like, don't care. That, the, that yes. the stories are all the same, that the, you know, the acting is bad <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like all that, all that stuff sort of falls away when it's a Christmas movie. The snow time. is fake. Like everything yeah. is stupid. Yes. Yeah. So, so I understand that we're going to see these tropes coming out over and over again. Now, my question for this week though is... What do you think the message of the original A Christmas Carol is? And do you think the episode we're talking about today shared in that sentiment? Okay, great question. Um, Okay, yikes. As someone who's been (laughs) a a version of The Christmas Carol, I feel like probably multiple times, but maybe only once. Um, I think the message of the original is pretty clear like be nice to people kind of simple like be don't be a dick um be considerate it's not that hard um be generous yeah because if you don't you will die alone (laughs) (laughs) what a great message 
right? <laughs> like that's the because we do the pa- Christmas past, we do Christmas present, and then the future is like you're fucking dead, bro. Um, True. Yes. And and you're chained to your job. Oh, that's the other piece I think in the original is like sort of money, like a work over. work life balance. Yes, work life balance type thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, Scrooge was like the first one to come up with work-life balance. Um, Correct. Yeah, and I would say in this particular episode that we watched, I actually didn't quite get the Christmas Carol correlation, if I'm really honest. No, I, mean, I didn't other, either. Other than the fact that there was like some ghosty stuff happening, I yeah. didn't. I didn't see... I didn't see it. <laughs> no. I, like, there was a ghost. So, therefore, I don't get the message. I guess I don't get the message in this, like, whatever no, message they were no. trying to convey. I'm not sure I understood. Because, no. Like, because, yeah, I agree with you that the message of the original Christmas Carol is precisely what you said. It's bro- mostly about don't spend your life working, hoarding your cash be generous, look to the people around you and try and engage with them, not just on Christmas Day, but like, every no, but, day. Right, but also, like, you're supposed to like Christmas, so, like, say Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I guess, yes, that's an undertone, which is if you can't do it on this day of the year, when it should be kind of the easiest, in a sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, Scrooge, what Scrooge other day? Yeah, Scrooge was the first one not only to learn work-life balance, but also to learn, like, I don't want to hear Happy Holidays. I want to hear Merry Christmas. Yeah, he was the first one <laughs> in the battle against the war on Christmas. Yeah. Great. Do you hear that? Oh, right, we've found a celebrity for you. Um, so, uh, yeah, but no, I don't think that the show that we watched even remotely had any of that messaging even though there was sort of a ghost (laughs) I guess um and there was like some Christmassy elements yeah like yeah I just found it weird because like I was like if this is the their take on a Christmas carol they've done a really bad job like I feel like maybe they just maybe they just called it a Roswell Christmas oh whoops I gave it away yeah um (laughs) Maybe they just called it a Christmas Carol because that's like a familiar Christmas theme, as we said. Yeah. And yeah. And it wasn't really. I mean, they took some liberties, let's say. Yes, and and whereas what we were just saying is we would kind of like someone to maybe take some liberties. This didn't work. No. To my mind. So, hello everyone. Anyway, I gave welcome. It away, no, that's okay. <laughs> hello everyone, and welcome to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, you've already said <laughs> what we're talking about, <laughs> yep. um, but why don't you officially tell us about this okay. episode that we're talking about? Yeah. So we watched an episode of Roswell, uh, the series from 19- that ran from 1999 to 2002. Specifically, the episode we watched was called A Roswell Christmas Carol, which came out, it was their Christmas episode in December of 2000. Correct. Um, Now, Roswell itself as a show, I always kind of was aware existed. I never watched it until today. 
Um, the IMDb description is as follows. The lives of three young alien-human hybrids with extraordinary gifts in Roswell. Um, uh, I, I, I gotta say, like, beyond not getting the Christmas Carol specific vibes, I didn't get this show. And and fair enough, we, like, came into it in, like, season two, episode ten. I didn't sure. get, like, the setup. But I was not understanding what the deal was with these kids. Like, and I had, I looked up some type of description that was different than this one. And I was like, it said something, I thought it said something about, like, an alien invasion that, like, corrupted these kids or something like Mm. that. Um, So, yeah. No, I, so I read, as I always do in preparation for this, I read the Wikipedia page for this show and and unlike in some time in some cases because I had such a hard time finding a reliable way to watch this in Australia I just watched this one episode so I didn't go back to the pilot for further information but the description online like when it goes through the season arcs of like season one season two those descriptions are odd and Maybe I didn't. That's what I read. I don't know what I was reading. I didn't I was like, I don't really. Even get this. Yeah. So like, so the well, because you know the backstory to Roswell, right? Like well, why it's, it's, it's set there. Yeah. Well, it, it, yes, because it's like alieny. <laughs> yes, it's where, it's where the supposed first alien UFO Is crash it, landed. Okay. Is it the same as Area Fifty One? That's or that's different. Area 51 is near Roswell. Okay, okay. And Area 51 is where supposedly the ship that landed got taken to and is being kept there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, this is where I don't really get this. So, supposedly, according to Wikipedia, um... The characters Max, Isabel, Michael, and Tess are all aliens from the planet Antar, whose spaceship crashed in Roswell in 1947. And so they have been living in Roswell since the late 40s, like keeping themselves... As teenagers living under wraps. But see, the as teenagers part already is confusing because what then they. So many questions. And so, but then the other thing that they say at the. It says at the end of the season, this is season one, it is revealed that Max, Isabel, Michael, and Tess are clones of the quote, Royal Four of Antar, the planet the characters come from. In a former life, Max was the king of his planet, Isabel his sister and a princess, Michael his second in command, and Tess his wife, the queen. Um, The four of them learn they are alien-human hybrids. Their alien DNA was mixed with human DNA in order to allow them to look like humans and survive on Earth. So that to me is all super jumbled because I'm like, are you a... get that. I'm like, are you a clone of an alien species from somewhere else? But then you're also an alien-human hybrid, so you're not a clone. You're something else. 
Um, and then what about what about the time lapse between 1947 and 1999 when we catch up with you in this show? Like, yeah. and may, and that's and that's maybe more like in the context of like if I had watched season one, maybe more of that those blanks would be filled in. Um, I would assume, but I don't know. <laughs> but it does just so. I think the premise itself is a little bit jumbled, garbled. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't so feel so bad for not really getting it then. No. Um, intriguingly, this is actually based on a series of books called Roswell High, um, and so and in a. You know, in a way that only the world of now can achieve. Um, so there, the show was based on a series of books, which then the show uh, inspires another set of novels written based on the TV show, and they are not written by the same author who wrote the Roswell High series. How strange. Yeah. Um... What I also learned is that, and this also probably explains why we were confused for a number of reasons, that, like, so Roswell got a really rabid and intense fan following very quickly, Mm -hmm. but the ratings were always pretty lackluster. And in particular, the first season, a lot of the episodes apparently were kind of standalone episodes so th- so even then like oh. the idea that, that like stuff is being filled in I don't think is really happening yeah. um and and the science fiction aspect and this I again was from Wikipedia the science fiction aspect in the first season was not quite as apparent um even oh, though these are alien human hybrids like I guess that wasn't as much a feature of the show huh. um and so for season two, because because both the ratings and the story problem were happening, um, they so this was on the WB for the first two seasons. They bring in Ronald D. Moore, who's like a pretty well-known sci-fi guy, to try and kind of make things more coherent in season two and to up like the science fiction aspects of the show. Um, which some fans liked and others very much did not. Um, yeah, because well, if you, because I feel like just based on the four leads, like who they were and the way they looked, mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. if you're if you're there for that, and then like to me, I guess it would be like if Dawson's Creek on like season two was like they're all aliens. <laughs> Well, I was just, I was just going to say like, to me, what this seems like is that it is like, let's do Dawson's Creek, but have some of them be aliens for some reason. It's literally like, that's all I was getting was Dawson's Creek vibes like the entire time. And that lead guy was in Dawson's Creek. So he was like solidified it, but, um, yeah, that's that was just the vibe I was getting the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So needless to say, these efforts never came to fruition. Ratings were always a problem for this show. So um, the WB sold it to UPN for season three. 
um, along with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And what what UPN wanted to do was to use Buffy as a lead-in to this show, you know, and make, like, a kind of a a sci-fi... Yeah, like, choose... I forget. I don't think they said what night of the week it was, but, you know, the kind of... This will be our horror fantasy sci-fi night, right? Yeah, and I feel like I remember... I feel like I remember us watching Buffy and then being like, oh, Roswell's on. Turn that off. (laughs) No. Hard no. (laughs) Um, Well, and that's the whole thing, right? Is so... Um, so they set this up, UPN sets this up to have Buffy be the lead into Roswell in the hopes that that's going to like boost ratings. It did not. Um, so the show was canceled at the end of its third season, but the fandom was so intense, um, that there was a reboot of this show. Um, more recently in, in its new iteration, it was called Roswell, New Mexico. Um, and it incorporated, I read a little bit about this too. It incorporated, um, a storyline where like one of the main characters is undocumented or something. And, you know, so it's like aliens and aliens kind of thing. Um, and was it teenagers still again? It was still teenagers. Yeah, it was still teenagers. Um, and it seems to have performed exactly like its original material because it ran it from 2018 to 2022. So it got its four, it's like, I guess three seasons or maybe four. And it, there was just like, nah, we're not doing this. Um, and yeah. And that, so that's the stuff that I think I found interesting about Roswell, the television program. Yeah. Um, in terms of the cast, we're not going to talk about everyone who is like kind of a series regular or who appears in this episode because there's even a whole B story that I thought was like completely stupid. So we're not even going to talk about it. Is that the one um, with the? I I don't actually know how to pronounce her name. Is it Emily or Emil? Hold on, let the me Australian see. Australian girl. You know who I'm talking about. Though, em- right? Yeah, Emily is how I would Emily. pronounce that. But okay, you know. Well, her story I did not understand. I didn't know what was that the story you were talking about. Yes. Yeah, I had no clue what was going on there. But I will say a couple of tidbits about her. <laughs> okay, um, cool. She is married to someone I went to college with, so that's pretty Ooh. funny. Ooh. Um, and they live in I believe they live in Melbourne. Um, ah, I should hang out with them. <laughs> you should. They have like a billion children. No, they. I think they have three kids. But um, may as well be a billion to me. Seems like it. <laughs> um, but what was funny in this to me was I knew she was Australian, obviously, and she's very young in this. But I thought mm. she was. I personally heard it as she was struggling with an American accent. That's how I would Oh, interesting. It. Okay. Yeah, I can't... Maybe that's, too, maybe that's too mean, but, like, it, I could tell. Because, <laughs> because accents are so rooted in, like, this sounds weird, but, like, in pitch almost. Yeah. Like, I could tell... She was saying it all, like, technically correct as an American accent, you know what I mean? But it was yeah. in a place where, like, I, I don't know, it was, like, in a register or something about it was, like, 
that Australian accent was wanting to creep out so bad. And just, it was like a little bit more lilty maybe. I'm not sure. But like, Mm. um, the cadence, I guess it was maybe a cadence. I'm not sure. But just like, I thought, I felt like this is an Australian person trying to do an American accent. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a fair estimation since I watched it with all chipmunk voices, I wasn't able <laughs> to detect that, that. <laughs> because I was just like, everyone sounds utterly everyone sounds nuts. Yeah. Um, and ironic that I'm in Australia not being able to recognize that. I think if particular... you watched it with regular voice, you would, you would, you would pick up on it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, right. So we've now caught up with your former classmates uh, spouse. Um, but her whole storyline was some of the stupidest shit I've ever seen. I didn't even get it quite honestly. And it didn't seem to advance the story at all. And so I just made the decision that we're not going to talk about that storyline. Good enough for me. Um, so in terms of who we do need to know for the storyline that we are going to talk about, which again is like, more like that's the other thing that's so confounding about this is like so the b story really had nothing to do (laughs) with a christmas carol at all like Uh, no that and so i just i really was like so that definitely isn't quote-unquote inspired by a christmas carol and then what the a story is at best just like it's got a ghost in it. Like, <laughs> is that it? Like, <laughs> that's all it takes to be a Christmas. I mean, they could have at yeah. least. I guess, I guess you could say, not to give anything away. I guess you could say like sickly children is a tiny. Yeah. Vibe. I guess. I guess so. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's a little bit. It's a little. I. It feels like a stretch to yeah, me. It definitely is. I um, only just thought of that just now. So it wasn't like apparent <laughs> while I was watching it. Yeah, the message was lost. Um, yeah. So, so mainly who we need to care about for this episode is three of the four alien-human hybrids and one teen girlfriend, basically. Um, the main character is Max Evans, played by 27-year-old Jason Bear. Um, and I was, was reminded... 27? He was 27, yes. Um, And that's one of the things I was going to say is, like, in the newest season of Only Murders in the Building, um, Paul Rudd is one of the characters, and he's great. He's very funny. Um, But one of the gags in it is is that he's playing um, (laughs) an actor who Uh has become famous for a character known as Cobro, um, oh, it's really funny. I mean, it's really I can picture this. worth a watch. I can, picture, I, I can picture this. And also because I don't know what the rest of your sentence is going to be, but I can imagine it has to do with like him playing someone who's wildly inappropriate for his age. Correct. Um, but I actually could see it with Paul Rudd because he looks amazing for his age. Right. Well, so the joke in the show is that before he becomes Cobro, he was on a TV series that um, the Selena Gomez character liked mm. called, I think it was just called Girl Detective. <laughs> 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 and I the premise, that. 
the premise of the fake show is that it's, um, unsurprisingly, a teen girl detective. Um, <laughs> and and Paul I Rudd... I watch that, I'm not going to lie. I know. Well, because it is basically Veronica Mars, which does exist. Oh, know? I never watched um, that. But, so... They show a clip, and that's even the funny, like funnier at the meta level, because it's Paul Rudd now playing himself <laughs> 30 years ago. And, he's, and he says to Selena Gomez, do you know that when I was playing a senior in high school, I, I was 30? Oh my gosh, wait, but that's actually, but that is real because he, Paul Rudd did that in Clueless, right? He was, I don't think he was 30, and in that movie, he's supposed he to be... supposed to be in college. In college, yeah. Like, he's, he's still pretty... Like, but he dates her, at the, he's supposed to be dating that high school student at the end. I mean, that's also his sister, like, let's talk about it. But, like, um, but he's supposed to read as, like, I think, early college. Like, yes, much like that's right. Like, 20 or something, maybe. Yeah, like, I think at most he's supposed to be a sophomore in college. Yeah. Um, yes. That's funny. So, but it's, but it's funny because as soon as I put that down into here, I was remembering because like the character in that show was like, I thought my career was over when I was doing that show. I was so bummed out. And like, he was like, and it really sucked because like, you know, there were my acting friends who by that point were like really making strides and like having success and like whatever. And he was like, and then there were my friends from back home who were like, by the time they were 30, they, they had a family or they were buying a house or they, you know, whatever. And then here I was playing this like dipshit high schooler. (laughs) Um, and so I, your job. Yes, it is a weird job. And so I, that's what I was thinking when I was looking yeah. at this, that like this guy, you know, he well, he's like trying to be an actor, but like you take the gigs you get, and he gets like play a high schooler when he's twenty seven years old. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> and like, and he looks young. I don't think he looks he like does. a high schooler. But like, and, and like when when he I couldn't even book. focus because I just kept calling him Big Ears the whole episode because I didn't know his name. And his ears were just like, that was like some true Dumbo shit that I was seeing. And Oh, wow, interesting. And I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to be critical. It's not like I think he's, like, hideous or anything. But I was just like, man, oh, man, I I can't stop staring at that. That's so interesting. I don't know that I noticed that, although, like, thinking about it, I guess he does have, like, for his head, large ears. But... The thing is about him, too, is, like, he played teenagers on, like, lots of things. A lot of things, yeah. Because I recognize him from Dawson's Creek, and that was pretty much the exact same time period as this show. Yes. And And he was a character in Buffy that when I was, like, looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I even remember the episode that he appeared on Buffy. That's and he plays like a bad guy I think in Dawson's Creek or like a, a naughty boy or something like that <laughs> a and, naughty um, boy I don't know he's like I forget what his arc is I feel like his arc is like he knows Jen from New York and he's like in town mm. to like fuck things up I don't remember oh that yeah that sounds right <laughs> I don't I'm not sure if that's right but like he's that type and I can see that like he looks there is something it's it was a little bit funny for me to see him in this show because this character was kind of supposed to be quite nice. benevolent 
I guess. Yeah. And I mean, maybe benevolence too far, but like, um, he there is something behind his eyes where I think I believe him more as like a bad boy. I believe mm. him more as like a bit of a a schemer. <laughs> I don't know. Intriguing. Um, but anyway, point being, he's twenty seven, playing. I you know, acting is just. It's a weird thing to get involved in, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that's all I could think of there. Um, Yeah, that's funny. I also discovered, so in addition to being in quite a lot of teen things of this era, um, he also is married to an actor named Katie Strickland, who I also recognized um, when I looked her up. Yeah, she plays one of Drew Barrymore's friends in Fever Pitch, and then oh i like her yeah and she also was in the shonda show private practice like she was one of the main oh. characters in that okay um so uh, they as i i think they were in a movie together actually and i think it was okay. the grudge which he was also oh. in okay. um what i Overlooking his career, it looks like things kind of dry up for him around 2012. Um, he did appear in the reboot of Roswell, New Mexico, um, and has since been in uh, some episodes of Supergirl. Hmm. But I'm not sure. That. Yeah, I'm not sure what the future may hold for him. Um, then we have. His sister, Isabel Evans, played by a 22-year-old Catherine Heigl, um, who, this, I'll also say this, like, because this is a WB show, which is like the precursor to the CW, every person that I'm talking about started out modeling. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell. That's what it looks like. I mean, it looks so distinctly early 2000s to me like that was just like I couldn't really get over it um but they yeah they all also do look like models (laughs) yeah that's like because that is that still remains the CW's kind of magic chemistry right is like let's get as many hot people as we can into the mix and then like like the storytelling is a bit incidental to that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure. Well, it's kind of like it was um, like primetime uh, soap operas in a way. For sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, in Katherine Heigl's case, she started modeling at nine. Um, and that was in the New York area. Um, then because that was going so well and she had had some success with some movies and some things... Um, she moved to LA in 1997. I think at that, I think she was just 18 when she did that. Um, her mom goes along with her and becomes her manager. Um, I, I don't know enough about Katherine Heigl's life, but usually that vibe is not great. Um, it can really be hit or miss, I think. So who's to say? Um, yeah. It's really weird because she has one of the longest IMDb bios I've ever seen in my life. Like, whoever wrote it fucking loves this lady. Um, but, but, but also, weirdly, it terminates 
really early in her career. So it doesn't mention Grey's Anatomy at all. Weird. Which, like, to me, I'm like, that's the thing that, it's like, launched her, her into stardom. Like, yeah, it definitely was her biggest thing. I mean, I know there's, uh, there's some, like, tumultuous things that happened and, you know, she got kind of, like, bad-mouthed about, like, her behavior on that show and I think it, like, me perhaps uh, sullied her view of it, but it was definitely her biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, it is the platform from which her subsequent actual career has come from. Like... Yeah. Um, because she was, like... And I'm not even poo-pooing this because I I like a good rom-com and I think she is in some of them. them. Um, she's in a lot of rom-coms. I'm not sure all of... I wouldn't call all of them good, but like she's oh, in oh, a gotcha, lot. gotcha, gotcha. But so like that's what I'm saying is like she had been doing those for a while. Yeah. Then she got onto Grey's Anatomy and that's when she became Katherine Heigl. Like... Yeah. People wouldn't her name wouldn't have meant anything to anyone until that show whether yeah. it's because people are like oh isn't she a bitch you know like i don't <laughs> care yeah. she's she's famous because of that yeah um, that's true uh now of course she's famous to us because she appeared in my father the hero um arguably way better than Grey's, uh, Grey's anatomy <laughs> but <laughs> i mean i know um, that might be controversial I never really got into Grey's. Me neither, I've watched so I can't some, really say that. I, I guess what I'll say is they both seem potentially problematic in their own oh, way. Yeah, I don't know a lot about <laughs> Grey's Anatomy and its problem eras, but I mean, My Father the Hero is like absolutely, the storyline is disgusting, really. Yes, yes. Um, but it is one that imprinted on me at a certain time, so I can't help but still have a fondness for it. Um, sure. But yeah, it is a despicable story. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. Um, I also was pleasantly surprised. I don't think I'll ever actually watch this, but I didn't know it existed. She was also in some sort of TV movie called Romy and Michelle in the beginning. And I guess it was, like, all about high school, like, going back to Whoa. just showing them in high school, which sounds cute, so... That does sound cute. I wish it was actually with Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sabino, I know. Though. I know. I agree with that. Um, but nonetheless, she was in that. I don't know which okay. one she played. I didn't look. Um, then we have the character Maria DeLuca played by Mahandra Delfino, uh, a 19-year-old, um, mm. who I couldn't quite work this out. Um, she was born in Venezuela to, like, I can't remember. One of her parents was Cuban and one of them was Venezuelan. Mm-hmm. And she, like, for her early life, she cut, I guess the family moved back and forth between Caracas and Miami. Um, and then while she was in Miami, like, so this is someone who, when you read her bio, like from the time she was like a little tiny girl, she was wanting to focus on like music and acting and all this stuff. And her parents were like, 
that's great, but you also have to care about school. Um, Parents and are she, so boring like that. I know. It's so irritating because you're like, but I'm five and I want to pursue my acting career. And people are like, But no. I'm five and I want to be a star. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, they did allow her some of that. But basically, like, so while she's in Miami at one in one of her stints, she auditioned and became part of a girl pop group called the China Dolls. Um, she was 11 when she got that gig. Yeah. Um, and then at the age of 14, God, and like, this just sounds so weird for a lot of reasons, but it kind of suggests to me that probably this girl was really irritating, um, and a hard person to raise because at the age of 14, her mom was like, okay, I have had enough with this music and acting bullshit. So here's the deal. You have six months to get some sort of acting role. And if you don't, we're saying goodbye to this. You're focusing on high school. That's the deal. And then she got a gig in that six months. And so... Don't challenge a child that's been (laughs) telling you something since they were five. I mean, like, seems like... You know, a precocious little kid, you know, might get what they want. Might. I mean, we know that the acting world is not quite made up of the miracles and rainbows that this story oh, suggests. Oh, no, but this little girl, but, no, but she's very, I mean, I don't know what she looked like, but she she's very cute. She does have a, a face that a camera likes, you know, she... Yeah. There's a lot of kids that may have that passion, and yes, obviously it would not go this way, but... Judging just by her looks, which is superficial, obviously, I'm not surprised she got cast and things. Right. Um, but it turns out, like, I would actually say, based on what I was gathering from her biography, that it seems like music might actually be more of her genuine passion. She released, like, a couple different albums over the course of, like, her early life. Um, she did play Tony Danza's daughter in a brief Oh, I could that see was that. the Tony Danza show. Um, and she's got a credit from just last year, but I it's unclear to me like if like what the future holds for her. Um, but nonetheless, she yeah. Yeah, because for her things really start to slow down similarly, I would say, um, kind of around 2012-ish. Like, there, there are still things happening, but it's not to the same degree anymore. Yeah. Um, and then finally, we have the character called Michael Guerin, played by a 23-year-old Brendan Fair, um, who is Canadian, if I remember correctly. And while he wanted to model, um, when he went to the modeling agency in Vancouver, they were like, oh you know, I think you'd actually be better for TV. And I don't know if that means they thought he wasn't good enough looking or that he was like, you're so good looking, you should do TV instead. I don't know. I mean, it's Um, better than saying, like, you've got a face for radio or something. Well, absolutely. (laughs) But still, it seems like a little bit of a dig. But basically, so he, like, so the story goes that he went to Vancouver 
like to go to a friend's wedding, dropped by the modeling agency to see if there was any work. They were like, oh, not modeling, but like definitely TV. And then he basically gets a TV gig immediately after that, like within a couple weeks or something. These people are Um, annoying. (laughs) I don't know. It does... I don't know if this is what pretty privilege is or what. Totally. But, um, maybe that's what's happening here. Um, I mean, because I can't. Okay, I'm not gonna. Mm, I won't judge them on this show in particular. Not and not all of them, because I know like some of them. Like I mean, I I think Catherine Heigl like obviously had a pretty long career and all of this, but like none of them are so awe-inspiring when it comes to their acting, you know, like, but they are pretty faces. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I'll, I will say, as we've been kind of saying, this era and this network and these kinds of shows in particular did care more about a look than they cared whether you could act particularly well or not. Absolutely. That being said... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, also, uh, to be fair, on Dawson's Creek, I actually, all of those actors have gone on to do um, pretty big things, and I do think are good actors. Were they good actors at the time of Dawson's Creek? I don't think all of them were. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Definitely not. I think they were hired (laughs) for their cuteness. Yes. Yes. Um, And in this guy's case, Brendan Fair... Far, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say he, out of this crew, he like there's Catherine Heigl and then there's him in terms of who's had kind of a successful career um, yeah. because he was in a bunch of other teen movies like Disturbing Behavior and Final Destination. I watched Final Destination for the first time recently, so I was like, I know I recognize this guy. And then I was like, you oh, only that's saw where that it's for from. the first time recently. That's a yeah. good one. It's okay. Um, (laughs) we can't get sidetracked on that right now. Um, (laughs) and he has also had a very reliable TV career. Um, he has upcoming gigs happening. So like, yeah, out of this crew, I would characterize him as probably like the second most successful of the bunch. Um, as for the show itself, I don't know. Um, (laughs) At least this episode, I mean, because we kick off by seeing both Max and Michael out at the town square buying their Christmas tree, um, and they're discussing very avidly how to pick the perfect tree because their sister-slash-friend Isabel um, is, according to them, a Christmas Nazi, Um, (laughs) which... Mm -hmm. Which, again, like, I didn't really get that from this show either. I was like, she I didn't seems... either. A, like, she's got a schedule and things, but she doesn't even seem that bitchy. Like... I mean, you know what made her bitchy? <laughs> I will say this. You know what, like, proved she was a bitch or, like, told us she was a bitch, even if she wasn't? That she had banana curls. Oh, of course. Like, yes. That was like, <laughs> I am a bitch. I have banana curls. <laughs> My hair is perfect. Therefore, I am a bitch. Yeah. Um, indeed. So we kick off with like kind of the main story right away. There, 
like, and I would maybe even call this a bit of a B story. Michael needs to get a present for his girlfriend, question mark, Maria. Um, but he doesn't know what to get. He and Max are talking about this while they're selecting their tree. As that, all of that is happening, um, a car, like, I don't, I guess it, does it jump up over the median or something? Something happens where... I don't even know. A, a car is about to hit a little girl, and then the dad of the little girl pushes her out of the way. He gets hit and dies. And Max... Uh, both, well, Max and Michael watch this, and... You can tell that Max is quite conflicted because if if we had been watching the show the whole time, we would know that Max has the ability to heal people. Oh, and he doesn't heal him. Correct. That's a good point. So, I didn't think about that. So that's what starts the conflict that then happens throughout the remainder of the episode. And this is actually something I was trying to figure out. Um... Okay, because I don't know if all of the, yeah, okay, so not all of the, the aliens don't all have the same powers. Okay. So Max is the one that can heal, Isabel um, can enter people's minds when they're dreaming. Um, I hate that. Yeah, I, I would not be into it. Um, Michael, it says here, his power is never revealed. Um, and then... Who's the fourth one again? Oh, the fourth one is your... Oh, Emily, whatever. Yeah, and she apparently can power? also... She can... Oh, she can cause people to see things that are not really happening. Okay, these are all really shit powers. I'm not going to lie. Like, except for healing other people, I like that one. And actually, like, that's that one seems That seems quite like, practical. Yeah, I feel like I would actually, in fact, like that myself. Because that's mm. one that, like, I feel like you could kind of have a normal-ish life with. And just, yeah. like, here and there be like, boop, boop, heal. <laughs> Like, I don't know, like, it's, those other ones sound like crap, those other powers, and ones, and yeah. actually, they sound like burdens. Yeah, <laughs> They don't even although, sound like something I would want. Although, we can see the burden on Max, because in this case, he does not save this guy. True. Michael is, like, holds him back, and he doesn't save the guy. And so, um, when they get back to his home... And he's talking with his parents. Uh, he, the dead guy, now is sitting in their like kitchen, and Max sees him, but no one else can see him. And the guy's like, "Why did you let me die?" So that's a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. Yes, yes, yes. True. Like, I mean, I guess if that's part of it that you see ghosts, <laughs> if you don't, I mean, see them. it's. It's not clear to me if he always sees ghosts. Yeah, is this a special of people Christmas he doesn't. Gift? I think this is a. I think that is like it's a Christmas carol. So we're gonna have a ghost come and <laughs> say something to him. 
But then no sooner does that cold open happen than we crash into the credits with Dido's Here With Me as okay, like okay. the theme song. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> well, again, again, like if we wanted to be any more early 2000s, like it would be impossible. I know. Um, it's true. Dido and um, Paula That Paul. song in particular, like. Yeah, I mean, all of those like, sad girl songs like (laughs) (laughs) you know like with and and actually the early 2000s and I guess maybe late 90s too like a lot of sad boy songs too just like that it was a lot of that type of like yes you know all those people sound like they're are you crying or are you singing both is the answer (laughs) um so and then we get through the credits where we see that Colin Hanks is also in this show occasionally, oh, though yeah. not this time. Well, he wasn't in this episode. Yeah. Um, I wish he had been. Maybe it would have been more I interesting. Um, I feel like he would have. We just talked about their acting, and I think he would have absolutely crushed the rest of them. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Um, then we are back in the local diner. Michael and Maria are, like, working there, I guess. Um mm-hmm. And they're talking about figuring out when they'll exchange their gifts. But of course, Michael doesn't even have a gift, so he's trying to push. He's like, what about December 27th? And she's like, yeah, (laughs) no reason to actually celebrate on the day. And this is the other thing is like, I don't think Maria knows that like he's an alien or that his whole family is. Oh, no, it says in this that she does know that they're aliens. Um, but so, so he regularly keeps saying to everyone, why the fuck should I care about Christmas? I'm an alien. (laughs) Fair. Um, Um, and like, these aren't my traditions. And so like, why should I do it? So maybe he's, maybe he's also like, maybe they're all meant to be Scrooge in some way. And his thing is to be curmudgeonly about even celebrating Christmas. Oh, maybe. And hers is like, she's greedy. I guess. But then Max's thing is he gets to see the Christmas ghost. And then... It's messy. Whatever it is. (laughs) Whatever they were trying to do, and maybe that is it. It's messy and not that clear. It it doesn't work. Um, (laughs) Then, as you can see here in my outline, I didn't even know where this was. I was like, some other place. Um... (laughs) Maria. Okay, yeah, no, sorry. Maria drops off a meal to this guy who I eventually learned was named Brody. He had an English accent, I think. Um, Mm. And he just acts very weird. Well, he turns out, the reason we even need to know he's here is because he's the dad of the cancer girl. Okay, okay. But so that's so she says hello to him. Then we jump to the town hardware store <laughs> where Michael is yes, Michael is with Isabel and he's struggling to find Maria a gift. Isabel tries to give him actually good advice about what to do. Um because I think it in this one he's like I think he might be considering buying her like an electric toothbrush or something as a present 
And I'm just like, oh boy, oh boy, don't do that. Unless someone has specifically stated that is what they want, that should not be on the Christmas list at all. Well, especially like (laughs) someone you're in like a romantic relationship with, right? Like, Right. Maybe... No, it's a weird gift. Like, it's a totally weird gift. And especially, like, I'm not sure if this is true, but, like, if this is your first Christmas together, like, don't don't go for the practical gift. Yeah, people are effing clueless. Kenny, like, I mean, come on now. Like, how many years? How many years? Uh, Not to be, like, you know, gender, super gendered, but, like, how many years have women been like trying to explain to men like what a good gift is yeah get it together I know I'm like if you really are floundering and don't know what to get just ask the person directly what would you like like and and I'm like I'm not a great gift giver I'll admit like I it is not my strength I struggle with it too but like a freaking your girlfriend, you're going to get her an electric toothbrush. That's all you can think that she might want from you specifically. Yeah. 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 I mean, I get and, it. He's an alien. And I guess that's like, right. So he has different, some slack. Yeah. He has different sensibilities maybe or whatever. But, but the thing is, is like, yeah, like the gift giving at Christmas with a partner can always be fraught no matter how many years you've been together. Um, And, like, even if I were with someone for a number of years, and I, because I am very happy to just say, like, can you tell me what you want? And then I will share. Um, Unless I have, like, a great idea that I know will work, which is very rare. Um, (laughs) If they said to me, what I would like more than anything in the world (laughs) is an electric toothbrush, I would then say, are you sure that's really what you really want from me? <laughs> yeah, and is that, is that like, can you give me any other different option? Yeah, because I'm that's like, like, also just not fun. Yeah, that's the thing is, I'm like, I get why you maybe would want that, and I like, it's not that I don't appreciate, like, for myself, like when I buy, like, I lately have get, gotten really excited about the mere prospect of buying new silverware. Like, I'm really excited about that. Sure, but, but I the, would I mean, some of that never, is fu- I would never in a million years tell someone I'm seeing, buy me some silverware, please. <laughs> like, right. Well, because stuff like that, too, is also like, I'd, I mean, an electric toothbrush maybe is a little different, but something like silverware, I'd be like, I'd rather pick that out. Like, if well, I... Sure. Sure. And it's also again boring. Like it that is stuff that you can buy for yourself or that is stuff that's like an errand to buy. <laughs> like it's not yeah, a yeah. gift. Like per you're going to buy it either way. Yeah. So you should just buy this new water pick and you'll enjoy it <laughs> and that's great. I'm glad you're enjoying yeah. it. But like I, from me surely you want something different. A little bit more fun. Come on. Yeah. Um, so needless to say, Michael takes none of Isabel's advice. <laughs> um, meanwhile, out on the streets of Roswell, Max is watching Christmas carolers, 
um, at the dead guy's house. <laughs> the dead guy then shows up behind him and starts kind of saying, like, well, this is all your fault. Why didn't you save me? Blah, blah, blah. I hate um, it when dead guys say that to me. It seems like it would be a bummer. <laughs> it really would. I wonder and if a, he could... I wonder if his power would... I mean, I guess it doesn't, but... Um, I wonder if your power, if his power could potentially retroactively save someone. I don't get that impression. Yeah, clearly. I guess he would have probably because then he'd be like, yeah. dude, oh my God, leave me alone. <laughs> Raise you from the dead. That's not weird at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Max feels conflicted and guilty about this. So he heads over to the diner where his friend and former girlfriend, Liz, um, is there she's played by what the fuck is her name sherry appleby um who i feel like i recognized but i couldn't quite work out from where um but she's also just barely in this episode so it didn't i was like it doesn't even really matter um Mm -hmm. but so he goes to her to, to kind of talk over these feelings and she ba- she also knows he's an alien and she's like you know you couldn't have done anything because if you had it would have exposed not just you but like your you know the other aliens who are here um, right oh because if and, he because the p- problem was that it was in public he couldn't do right. that in public yeah right um and so then he reveals that he's having visions of the dead guy and she's like, that seems concerning. <laughs> um, and then the dead guy who's been overhearing everything that's been going on, he basically is like, you need to, quote, restore the balance. Um, which I did not get what that meant when it was said. And I don't even know if what happened is doing that anyway. Um, <laughs> meanwhile... In a different part of town, Maria sees this guy Brody at his home, and she sees that he's got a young daughter. Um, and she did not know that about this guy. Um, and one of the cal- carolers who's out outside their home says, "Oh, it's like this true tragedy. The little girl who's only five is dying of cancer." Um, Maria then goes up to the house to confront Brody about, one, why did you never tell me you had a kid? And two, why didn't you tell me that kid had cancer? Um, I didn't, I never quite figured out, because I didn't watch any other episodes, I don't know the relationship between these two people. Like, yeah. um, but it gets weird very quickly um, because the way Maria is acting is as though she and Brody were dating or she had some sort of romantic interest in him. Um, but she's dating Michael, so I don't really get it. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, back at this apartment, which I don't know whose apartment this is, but it seems like some of the aliens are living on their own and some of them have been adopted by families. <laughs> Um, Some of them are in, like, an exchange student program. Correct, yes. <laughs> and so so they hang out at this apartment 
that belongs to one of them, presumably. Um, and that's where they can freely discuss their alien business. Um, <laughs> because when um, Michael and Isabel are there and Michael shows her the present that he's gotten Maria and it's a new car bumper... Um, and Isabel is like, this is not the right kind of gift. Um, and Michael's like, no, but it is because here's the reasons why she needs this bumper and why she's been blowing off getting one. Um, and Isabel reiterates, this is incorrect. I can help you. Do you want me to help you? And he says, fuck off. No, I don't want your help. Um, <sighs> yeah, interesting. Um, meanwhile, the town is revving up for the Christmas pageant, um, which Isabel oh is running. Okay, okay. I gotta say it. Like, I watch so much Christmas content, and, like, it's always in a small town, and there's always a Christmas pageant. Yep. And I, I gotta say it, like, I don't know, maybe maybe where we grow, grew up sucked, sucked, but, like, I, I don't remember one Christmas pageant. <laughs> no, I don't recall it ever being a thing. Maybe, um, maybe, maybe because our town was more diverse and it wasn't only just, like, this whole Christmasville, but, like... Yes, I mean, not- I remember the Hanukkah menorah and the Kwanzaa candlestick thing going up in town every holiday yeah, and they season. Did, yeah, and there was and they the did, lighting like, of lighting. the Mary Yeah, the lighting of the Merry Maple. Um which, that was like, there was no there was no pageant. It was not a pageant. No-, no, it was not a pageant. It was just like a little bit of an event where like the different like didn't the like high school choir sing at it and like maybe. some other like similar type things? I guess and I guess so. Maybe. And I and I guess maybe like I, I don't remember what the pageant was in this particular show, but like a lot of times in movies it's like quite religious. So maybe yes. in like churches there were and we just like do, weren't yes. in that world. I think I think it's true that yes, you might have done a similar thing if we had been really like involved in any kind of church group we might have done something yeah like this um I know there like because I think we even went but maybe that was in my 20s I know I went to a midnight mass at St. Bridget's one year um mom tried to make us go to that every year I think and then some years we were like well hell to the no and then I remember going once and being like, I feel like I got like physically ill. <laughs> uh, that's like my know, memory of that. I know for sure I went once and was like, this is nice because but midnight mass, mass is not the is same mostly, as a pageant. Yeah, it, and it's mostly carols, and you're just like, this is nice. Um, it is not like real it's, church. It's better um, than real church, but it's definitely not a pageant. Like it's no, it not, isn't a pageant. It isn't a pageant, so I've I've not ever gotten the privilege. I kind of want to go to a Christmas pageant now. <laughs> um, like I've not ever been to one. I don't know what they entail. Um, I kind of want to go to one. I kind of like going to like weird things with just kids in it, even if they're like bad at what they're doing. I kind of I kind of enjoy that. Well, and especially like the way this one appeared, it just was like kids in different random ass costumes, like literally parading across the stage. 
apropos yeah. of nothing. Like they weren't singing yeah. a song, they weren't doing a play. They like they were just walking across the stage. And so in this context, Maria runs into Liz. And she has gone really nuts. Like, Maria is like, I want to be the mom to this cancer kid. I don't know why Brody never told me about this. And Liz seems very um, concerned about this very kind of rapid shift of emotions toward Brody and his daughter. And she even says, like, Liz, you're only 17 years old. How are you going to be a mom to this kid? Yeah. Um, To which Liz says some sort of rambling shit about how her own mother, like, wasn't ready to have kids or something. And I'm just like, oh, God. Like, and I guess it was, like, she did also say something about, like, how her mom was young when she had kids. And I was like, Mm. yeah, this is not Not a great reason. It's different if you are a teen mom because you were pregnant with a baby that you're now raising. I'm like, you shouldn't choose to like adopt a child when you're 17. Being a stepmom at the age of 17 years old. Like, don't be ridiculous. Um, But yeah, I, I wasn't sure if we were meant to understand something. Like, I was like, oh, is Brody also an alien and is his power that he's got like the power of suggestion so he said or did something to Maria to make her feel this way and I wasn't Hmm. sure but like Liz immediately is like concerned about this and so she trots off to tell Max about this turn of events and when Max hears this the dead guy like literally like shows up beside him and is like it looks like we have a plan. And I was like, what the fuck is this what? plan? What are you talking about? That sounds so menacing. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do. Are you going to kind of blow up a whole school or some shit? Like, aye, um, aye, aye. so meanwhile, back at the alien teen apartment, um, Max has called a bit of a meeting between Isabel, Michael, and Tess. And he's basically pitching to them that, like, because he didn't save the dead guy, he wants to heal the cancer girl. And Isabel and Tess are basically fine with it, but Michael doesn't want him to do it because he feels like that will put them in danger, right? Like, that it's too exposed. Um... Mm -hmm. Later on, Max has gone, Max still decides to do it anyway, and he goes to the cancer kid's house only to discover that she's been brought to the hospital. So she, he comes back and tells Michael that he's going to the hospital, um, and Michael decides that he will come along in the hopes of sort of protecting Max from any possible run-in. At the hospital, Michael is standing watch outside the children's ward while <laughs> Max heals cancer kid. Um, now, uh, it, obviously what they're doing is a good thing and a positive thing, but I will say the security at this hospital is shite. Yes. Well, yes, it's very <laughs> weird. They like put on scrubs and apparently that's good enough to go wherever they need to go. 
that is also a thing in TV and movies. It's like if yeah. you just like wear the, <laughs> the like uniform of like whoever's in charge, like people will just like not even question you. So if you like dress as a doctor, you can like That's go do enough. surgery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and as well, like I did find it a bit weird. I was like, this is a whole room of very ill ch- children, and like they should you don't be under have... a very more specific watch. Yeah, I'm like, there's not a person just in there all the time even when they're sleeping like that seems weird um yeah but so max goes in he heals cancer kid and as he's doing it he sees flashes of her life he looks around the room to see a number of other ill children and he decides that he's going to heal all of them while this is transpiring inside the ward, Michael is desperately trying to distract people from what is happening um, mm-hmm. and keeping the nurse out. Um, the nurse, unsurprisingly, in this light, she eventually calls the police. Um, <laughs> when the police and the nurse bust down the door, they discover a room full of happy, healthy children all playing with an open window through which presumably Michael and Max have escaped. Now, Hmm. that's great. It's a Christmas miracle. We later see a newscast that says this is this Christmas miracle where all these kids have healed. (laughs) But my thing is, is like, you know that there was at least one weird guy milling around outside the door of this children's ward. Yeah, and then he goes. Then he goes in. They they see him go right. in because he like right. Uh, yeah. And then they're all playing and they're happy. Like surely, get child protective services to ask a couple questions about like, did the weird man do anything to you? Yeah. Like, um, but the I guess like the fact that they're all playing like tea party. They don't games, care means like, oh, there's nothing that's gone wrong with these kids. They're fine now. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, we're now wrapping up the episode. Back at the alien teen apartment, Maria comes over, and Michael very proudly gives her the bumper as his gift. And she does have a semi-positive reaction to it. She's like, this was very thoughtful of you. But then she's like, but where's my real present? To which, <laughs> to which oh, Michael is it. like, uh-oh, what do I do? But luckily... Okay, wait a second now. That's, okay. Hmm. People say funny things in TV shows that I don't feel like people ever say in real life. Like, <laughs> if you, if, okay, say, say your, your significant other, like, got you a kind of weird gift. Like yep. a bumper to a car or a correct electronic toothbrush. Like, would you ever say out loud, "Where is my real gift now?" Maybe um, would I don't know. I mean, maybe, I just maybe I maybe I would. It's a little maybe presumptuous. I, would. I don't know. I, I might mean, I think know. it. I might think it real hard, but I'm not sure I would ever <laughs> say it. <laughs> like, I might in my head be like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good to call people out sometimes. But, like, I would be embarrassed to say, like, you know, 
basically you're saying like this sucks what's my real gift I mean I don't think I would say in the moment what's my real gift but I think (laughs) I think I would like be like oh this is really nice or like really kind or whatever and then let some time pass like let Christmas day happen as -hmm. it's going to happen Mm-hmm. And then I might be like, you know, for the, the future. Thing is, <laughs> like, the, I, I, I don't like this for like, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. because because the thing is, well, also, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on this podcast, but like, I wrote very extensive and very detailed Christmas lists as a child. <laughs> That is true. And as a child, reason, I feel like you still write them. No, I, now when people are like, "What can I get you?" I'm like, "I don't know. I can probably get anything Cash. I want for myself." That's <laughs> yeah. true. Um, but like, the reason—I mean, I do think I did it into my well into my late teens, like longer than it should have been for sure. Um, but like, the reason that I was so specific on that list was because I was like, this is what I actually want. If you're gonna ask me, this is what it is. So please just get this and not some other bullshit thing that I don't want. Because the bullshit thing that I don't want, I'm fucking returning. Like, <laughs> and, and from a very young age, I was like, how would I say? Like, I never would return a gift that I could tell someone really, like it meant a lot to them that they had bought it or something, right? Sure. But in the realm of especially childhood era Christmas where you got like many gifts from lots of people and often you might get many gifts from one or two people like your parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't like something, I'd just be like, well, I don't like this. Can I return it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as a kid, obviously, like there is also a there is no filter and you can say that kind of stuff. Um, But I do think that in the context going back to like, this is a romantic pairing. Yeah. I'm like, and especially if this is indeed first Christmas. Yeah. Like, I think it is important to say, this is not really what I expected. Yeah. Like not in a shitty way. Cause it's like, but just be like, so you know, for future. Yeah. 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 really what I like yeah 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 I think there's value in like a waiting till the day's over or you know waiting giving it a little time so it's not quite so like this sucks where's my real gift um but also at the same time being honest and being like I I really appreciate the thought or the you thought because my bumper was fucked right. up, you got me a new bumper, and you, that's I really appreciate that effort. I really do. However, that gift sucks. <laughs> <laughs> However, this was terrible. You did it wrong. <laughs> Fuck you. Or yeah, or just be like, that's just not what I'm looking for in a Christmas gift. Like that's too practical. That's too yeah. whatever. I'm looking for. I prefer romantic gifts. I prefer. Right gifts that are experiences uh, I prefer whatever right I don't, I don't right. think there's anything wrong with saying all that um yeah 
Like, it's like, hey, babe, now that it's December 28th, can I just have a little sit down with you about (laughs) what happened? Next Christmas. Can we have a sit down about (laughs) next Christmas and what I actually want? Because I don't want this to happen again. So (laughs) we need to do some feedback But she was straight. Yeah, she was straight up just like, okay, this sucks. Where's my real gift? Give it to me now. Yeah. Now, luckily, even though the whole time he was being a bitch, Isabel still got him a real gift for Maria, which turned mm-hmm. out to be pearl earrings with which she was very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, back at the diner, um, Max and Liz are talking, and Liz is basically like, I know what you did for those kids, and that's very nice, but you really can't do stuff like that because mm-hmm. people are going to notice that something is going on. And um, he based, and she also does sort of say, like, you might be disrupting God's plan. You don't know what, you know, is meant to be. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I did like this. He was like, but I don't believe in God. And I'm like, great. Fair. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, you know, we don't have time to linger on, like, the ethical or philosophical <laughs> questions of this. Because... After this conversation, Max then has his final interaction with the dead guy who is now, because I guess the balance has been restored, I don't precisely know how, Um, like, is he saying he's the equivalent of eight or nine children? And so, Well, and also, I was confused at this point because I was sort of thinking, like, there was, I'll be honest, I, like, zoned out a little bit in the middle, and I was like, I thought he was sort of healing one of his own children. Right, and but no, like, it's just a random other. Are, yeah, it's just a random other. None of those kids are related kids. to him. Yeah. No. So I didn't but, quite understand that exchange. No, but so the dead guy basically feels that this is fine, and he can now he can move on, and so he's mm-hmm. like Max. You know, even if you don't believe in God or Christmas, like Christmas is a day to be with people that you love and people who love you. So like that's where I'm going to go, and then he very like menacingly walks through the door of his own house and disappears and I was like I don't like this I was like ooh is he just gonna be like haunting his own family like yeah it looks like it now like I don't like I assumed I assumed it was like nice haunting right I hope um, so what's is there there's another word for haunting that's like nice the nice version (laughs) (laughs) or is it all just haunting I think it's all just haunting um, mm. but it's, yeah, it's like, I think it is all just haunting either way, but like, yes, you can be a like benevolent spirit who is like, I'm here to like protect these people or yeah. whatever. Well, cause like when people like, when people have loved ones that die, like I do think a lot of people feel like, oh, they're still here in the air, still looking over me, blah, blah, blah. They're my angel. I guess angel is sort of the word that gets used yes. more than like haunt, they're haunting me. <laughs> Um, Correct. <laughs> or I feel their presence with me. Yeah, all that type like of stuff. That. Yeah. Um, so he disappears, so I guess that's fine now. And the final scene is Max arriving at the pageant or at the midnight mass. I don't know, it's nighttime. Um, and it starts to snow, and everyone's really impressed because I guess he doesn't like to go to these kinds of Christmas events because he doesn't believe in Christmas. And that is yeah. the end of the episode. So that's it. Very weird. 
Very weird. Um, I guess we'll just do yawns and eye rolls and then we'll circle back to the weirdness of it all. Um, okay. In terms of yawns, one yawn is um, really top-notch Christmas fair, really kept me engaged. And then 10 yawns is like, no, very boring, very formulaic Christmas fair. What would you give it? Well... It was only 43 minutes, so I can't be, like, too <laughs> mad at it. Um, but I did have my moments of, like, uh, zoning out or, you know, feeling like I didn't want to pay attention anymore. So I would say probably, like, a three or a four. Yeah. I might even go five. This one felt a mm-hmm. bit of a challenge for me, and that may be because of some of the sound and picture quality issues that I personally experienced. Um, But yeah, I just, and then like the fact that I just cut out a whole B story, I was like, I don't (laughs) care about this at all. Like, yeah. um, Yeah. So I would say this is more of a five for me. Um, In terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, yeah, this is like a world. It's well crafted. And 10 eye rolls is like, I don't really get what is happening here. What would you do? Uh-oh. Well, now, you see, it's it's funny because, like, we've watched way crazier, like, more eye-rolly types of things. Yeah. And at the same time, I really didn't know what was going on here. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely blame some of it on the fact that, like, we came in in, like, the middle of a season, blah, blah, sure. all of that type sure. of stuff. Yeah. But I didn't feel it was clear what the F was happening. So I will say, I think it, this was a little bit high for eye rolls for me. I would say it's probably like a seven or an eight because I did not understand this world. Yeah, I guess I will agree with you and just say eight because, yeah, I, well, I didn't get, yes, there were multiple things happening where I didn't get what the aliens were about or what their backstory was or what they could do or not do. Didn't get that. I didn't really get any of the interpersonal relationships between anyone, but that's because I've not seen the show, but nonetheless, it was confusing. And then I didn't get the... I was like, how is this a Christmas Carol part? Yeah, exactly that part too. And because like even if... If you think, I'm trying to think of a show, like, it's hard because it's ones, the ones I'm thinking of are ones that I know, but if I just, like, dropped into an episode of Dawson's Creek, let's say, just because it's (laughs) similar to... Your favorite, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I dropped into an episode of it, would I understand every single thing that was happening, every detail? No. Would I pretty much get people's relationships and, like, who they were? I think so. By the end of the episode, I think you would. Yeah, so I the fact that we like barely could understand people's relationships to each other, we didn't talk about that B story as you said. I had no idea who that old man and that boy was. To um, I don't even know anyone's name, and I didn't know anyone's name. Um, I did well, not I, understand. I think what it was is that older guy and younger guy adopted made- her. Maybe our father and son. But yes, she got somehow adopted into their family. And yeah. is also an alien. And they know it. 
but like they yeah it was just like treat her very well yeah they're all like well we're guys and this is a guy's house and this is what guy's house is like and she was like what the fuck like can't you make even some accommodations for my presence yeah (laughs) yeah so um, yeah, it, so the the relationships were were funky to un, to like unpack. Yeah, and I and while some of that I think would have been helped if I had watched additional episodes. Overall, I think the fact that this show like never made much of a ratings impact, you know, yeah. I think that says a lot about like yeah, there are some fundamental issues here. So yeah, ultimately. Did you like this, and would you recommend it? Hmm. I mean, no, and probably no. But at the same time, I do love a like early two thousands nostalgia vibe. So, sure. like, I there is there is aspects. I don't think I would seek it out. Like, I really don't. But like. Could I watch it as, like, a background show or, like, a sleeping show? Sure. Because it's got, like, a 2000s vibe that is, like, sure. kind of calming. Um, but, like, but yeah, no, I would say watch Dawson's Creek instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this, is the, if this is the type of thing you like, watch Dawson's Creek. Yeah. I also am a no and no. Um... Or Buffy, you know, if this yeah, is the type of thing yeah, you like, watch that's Buffy right. or... I didn't, I mean, yeah, and I even, like, I didn't, like, my sound and picture quality was just really bad, so that's part of the problem for me, but, like, yeah, yeah I agree with you. I'm like, if you want something from this era to get that hit, there are better things that offer it, that deliver yeah. it better, and, like, I would say, because this is the Christmas season episode for us, like, it doesn't even really give you a Christmas hit, like... Not even. I mean, um, yeah, it, like they have like the Christmas tree scene at the beginning, and beyond that, like okay, see some like twinkling lights maybe in the background. It doesn't feel like Christmas of any other time. Like people are dressed in Christmassy ish things. There are some Christmas carolers that are like going through town, yeah. but like yeah, it doesn't give you a satisfying Christmas feel either. Mm-mm. And mm-hmm. so yeah, it just does not perform on any of the kind of metrics that one would hope for from a yeah. Christmas themed episode. I agree. So, I guess like don't fucking watch this thing. Merry Christmas <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas, okay? Just watch whatever the fuck you want. Watch something this. different than this. Ro- watch watch the well, I mean, listen, this is okay. This is this is saying something. I would recommend if you're wanting a Christmas thing, watch The Princess Switch. I prefer that oh. over this. And that's saying something because that movie is sort of trash. But like, <laughs> but it's Christmas, so it makes it not trash anymore. Right. You can, you can accept it. Um, what's yeah. the one that I got into for a while? Was it called like The Royal Engagement or something? Like um, that... That like was that one Christmas Prince or something? Or those yes, like Christmas the, Prince. Yes, Christmas yeah, all Prince. Those ones. There's correct. like three of them. There's three yes. of that that one, and there's three of the Princess Switch too. So just like you do, do six movies. <laughs> you now have yeah, a great. whole. You have a whole Christmas week programmed yep. in with those six films. Um, so enjoy. That is our recommendation: is watch some of those. <laughs> I guess. Um, 
But thank you for listening. I am Sarah. I'm here with Amy. And we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.